I'm Tina Black, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership, a six-month business and leadership course to help you start, maintain, grow, or scale your salon business. We believe there are five strategies to help you eliminate politics and confusion, increase morale, decrease turnover, and increase productivity. If you would like to get on our waiting list for the next course, please go to www.nextlevelsalonleadership.com. Uh, I want to keep my wife involved today because she has a lot of great content because we kind of do different things in the company and as we kind of get into it a bit. But, you know, one of the analogies that the people, I, I just came off a call with a pandemic expert and kind of like the airports have different levels of security uh, one of the analogies I stuck with from the beginning of this was the world is at a red light waiting to turn green. And the other term that we're really using is ready, set, go. And what I love about that, if you've ever been at a red light and you're getting a little impatient, it's not turning quick enough. And then suddenly you do the terrible thing. You drift to your phone or for females out there, you, you lift to your lipstick. <laughs> oh, let me get a little mascara on while we're waiting. And then the guy behind you pumps the horn which really meaning you're not ready. So I think this is a great set point, getting ready to go before that light turns green and the interpretation and the different business models. I think most people have to interpret this based on your business. If you're a freelance hairdresser, you got to reinterpret it. You know, years ago, Tina, I did some stuff with the military and I took in concepts like color bar, wash house, take home. And somebody said to me, well, is going to go to the military? It's kind of government. They're not going to listen to you. They reinterpreted my system. So color bar became color ops. And take home became provisions. And what I'm saying is up to everybody listening to this is how you interpret it. Sure, if you got like ideas that we're using, uh, feel free to use them. Uh, that's probably where I got it. I stole it from somebody. If you take from lots of people, it's called research. So feel free to research from yeah. Mary and I, <laughs> as well as other individuals in the industry, because I think that's where my knowledge is coming from, is talking to like-minded people all over the country that are setting new standards, a kind of gold standard, if you will, of what a business can be like in tomorrow's world. And I got a great question on Matt Beck's call last week. Well, what if we find a cure? What if we have a vaccine? Aren't these measures a little radical? Well, if we put these measures in play and this happens again, we won't have to close. So it's kind of like whatever state board did to us years ago. I don't yeah. know when they officially started, but uh, and I knew from seminars we used to do in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Number one reason a client leaves the salon is it's not unclean. And how many of us found out through our cleaning out our houses how unclean they were? Uh, I went into my salons the other day before we were working on the revisualization of it. And I'm like, oh my God, this place is terrible. So I just think this is the new standard we've got to approach. And the reason for it being so critical that we get it in now, it'll protect us in the future so that this happens again in the, in the flu season. We'll actually have things in place that guarantee we can keep our businesses running because the conflict in the industry right now is really kind of crazy. The opinions, the judgment, um, you know, there's some people really going out and limbs saying certain things, you know, uh, whether it's don't go back to work or back to work, you know, I'm not going to share uh, how I feel about that. I just think, you know, we want to get back to business and, you know, that's a true fact of it. But what are we going to do meantime? And this is the time where we've got to restructure our business. That could be payroll. It could be the handbook because technically I have no employees. They're all going to have to start over. Mm -hmm. We're going to do an interview again. I'm going to record this one, Tina. <laughs> so when they tell me stuff they're prepared to do, I'm going to get it in writing because yeah. sometimes people forget what they said when they jumped on board. So it's a reassessment. It's also a time, and this goes out to our schools, future pros. We are hiring. We are looking to increase our staffing. 
So we're putting wow ads together. One that I'm running that I love, I got from a coach friend of mine. Uh, are you sick of playing musical chairs? Meaning we are going to recruit through this time because many salons are being disheveled. Some are closing. Some people are not coming back to the workforce in the same way. So I'm just saying this is not just an open opportunity to go back to what we were. It's an opportunity to go back to what we dreamed of being the day that we decided to open up salons. And I've had some creative ideas like Wash House, Color Bar. Most of those, Sean, came at my head 25 years ago. So the most creative I ever was when I opened the store and I visualized it, I feel that same creativity coming through me now uh, that is really, really critical to it, you know? So uh, it's definitely time to be creative and not with scissors. How can you reconceive your business and how can you realign your team to what it is we're trying to do? And, you know, just go to one thing here, the stacking and racking, which we inherited as an industry. Mm -hmm. uh, roller sets used to be the norm. And when our mothers would go, uh, they would go weekly. What a frequency of visit. And hairdressers in those days, sometimes did 17, 18 guests a day. They roller set a few, put them under the dryer, combed out a few. They had incredible pace. And then Vidal came along and changed that pace. But an average hairdresser does not perform. An average service ratio of an average hairdresser in America is 1.2 services per guest. That's why you need seven in a day. So if you actually look at fewer clients, more meaning hair traffic control, opening earlier, opening later, having available staff, the right amount of people every single day, I think the business model is going to improve because of this. And again, having more quality time with each guest. I've seen people put on a color that processes for 40 minutes and they take off, go into the hiding room, look at their phones. You should be spending quality time with a guest. And to me, I think we've been ditching and running too long. Uh, and I just think this is a great reset to the business and the industry that could change it just like Vidal changed our value many, many years ago. So that's what excites me as a business leader and for my own organization, the Robert Cromian Salon. And just one little point, walk-in is now dead because a walk-in salon is not a good idea right now. Right. Uh, so we are changing the names of those businesses. You know, I was working with a chain salon. And, um, you know, the name of their salon was something to do with haircuts. And they said, we want to sell more color. I said, well, which dummy called it haircut store? <laughs> you know, so if you want to sell color, you should have called it color and haircuts. Uh, so we're kind of going through a rebranding in our business because we don't really want walk-ins. Uh, you're free to call ahead, but there's protocols you have to do. Uh, one is a guest release, just like a model release that we use. Uh, and all the different ways that we're protecting them. So I think there's a lot of things to come out of this that there's a new protocol for everything we're doing in business that has to be educated to our salons it's not something that we have a conversation when they're in the salon it has to be done way in advance so that's a big thing there so let's talk about this real quick because that's the biggest thing i keep seeing on platforms that i'm speaking on is many of the salons are feeling like they're forced to raise their service prices but you're looking at it a different way that will actually make more money because we're going to do more services per guest but What's your thought process through this? Because I know Sean and I are working on our break-even numbers and to see where our stylists are going to be at when they get started back to work. Well, most people, when you build a salon, you're using every square foot to create and generate dollars. So that's one thing we'd have to plan in there. Now, it all depends where you are. And I'll talk about two situations I have as an owner. I've got one, which is a kind of younger brand, uh, formerly known as Walk-In. We're calling it Robert Crummings at the Beach. And actually, we set the prices the same way, but they're not quite the performers that my experienced guys are. So the reality in some salons, if you're a $15 haircut store and you're bringing in these protocols like a mask, a visor, sanitation and things, it's going to cost you more to do business. And I'm going to suggest that you increase a price. So let's just say your business reduced by 30%. I would increase the price by 30% to compensate. 
Um, if I've got a salon, like I know my numbers pretty well. If I see my guys are performing at 1.2, 1.3, the increase isn't going to come by what I add on to the ticket. It's going to come by you doing your job. Mm-hmm. Just as simple as that. Uh, drop-off mm-hmm. rate in our industry is astounding. For every client that comes in, we lose out of 10 up to four, sometimes six clients do not return. That is not an indicator that's calling growth. So what I would suggest to people is to understand if you could keep and retain every guest you touch, that's when you get a new guest you're building. Most people's new guest count is just compensated for the ones they lost. And that is a fact of the industry. In my company, I work with John Harms from Millennium. I have access to the data points of an industry. So let's look at what would the new world be in an hour appointment where you used to think you'd cut hair in 45, stacking and packing, never knowing a client's name, never making a take-home recommendation, never rebooking. Let's play with better indicators. So now I've got an hour. I'm going to just start off like this, Tina. We're going to take a before shot of Tina. We're going to do a great consultation, not one time, every single time. We're going to give you the experience of whatever service you've desired. We're going to conclude the take-home experience I call teaching artistry, showing you how to do it, getting you involved. And at the end, we're going to close it out with a beautiful take-home sale. A perfect appointment would look like that, and that's what we got to get to. So if that fewer clients, more meaning is really what I'm after. So in that case, if my stylist goes from a 1.2 ratio, which is a reflective of the average ticket, whatever you charge. So if you're... $10 $10 haircut and a five, you know, a $10 color. And at a 1.2, you're kind of running in about 12 bucks. Uh, at a 2.0, you'd be running at 20. So I'm just saying this ratio of service is what you're looking for. And at a 2.0, uh, the revenue you would make and the increase in pay you would receive is unbelievable, bigger than a commission jump. Uh, the other thing we've done, we've changed our payroll system. We're working with our coaches. I've taken the take-home bonus away and I've added it to the service dollar. And let me explain that, Tina. I want my people to create a take-home culture. If I get a business model with 25 or 30% of take-home, the culture we talk about so often could be made to happen. So we are setting up our minds as we go back to business to really be effective like we've never been before. And I think these numbers are going to correlate. So if you were bringing in $1,500 a week, let's say, and your old commission rate was 40%, I will actually pay you 45 if your indicator is 20% or larger on take-home. So I'm making it part of the big number, not the little one, because hairdressers don't get excited by the sale of a bottle of shampoo. We've got to give them a different why. But if somebody said, Robert, I want a raise, I said, well, the way you get a raise is by increasing this indicator, this KPI of take-home to 20% or above, I'll gladly give you that raise. And it matches out pretty well on paper, depending on your buying power. You know, if obviously you're making margins on products, um, you know, you want to increase that buying power. And with bigger sales, you could maybe buy more in bulk, get a better discount, uh, take advantage of your sales consultant to get a better deal on stuff you sell a lot of. And this would help make the merry-go-go-round. But hairdressers have not been incentivized by a 10% bonus. Uh, because I worked for JP, I even offered a 20 and they still didn't hurt me with it. But I think if it's attached to their service dollar, then they're going to see the way they can make the maximum pay scale in my company is by performing. Now, let's just say the other way. You don't do it. I don't care. So I'm only going to pay you 40. Mm-hmm. I can live with that if you can. But if you want to get to the bigger bracket, then you're going to have to consider these KPIs to be relevant to your pay structure. So we're going to kind of rethink that, whatever that means to people listening out there. You know, it makes a big difference. That's incredible. So 25% to 30% RTS, you're going to give potentially a, a 5% increase in commission. Yeah. You could do it with other KPIs. I mentioned retention. We we don't retain people. Your goal here is to retain clients like my body retains ice cream. Uh, You you want to keep them. 
And my wife is a great example of that. She's an incredible performer. Sometimes only working with four guests a day, average ticket of $320, take home $26 plus. I'm just saying she's a player and she's not doing it on 12 clients deep. So we need to take away the race and start working on the pace. Uh, we need to yes. take away the volume from our equation and then see what we can do. And if a price mm -hmm. increase is necessary, uh, that's quite fine. And some salons are doing uh, a surcharge, just like hotels have a resort fee. So, you know, they've got a five or $10. Uh, to me, I'm right. not so excited by that personally. I don't like hidden charges, just like I don't like them when I check into a hotel. Uh, I'd rather build it into the price. So for some of you out there, based on your square footage, um, you may have to increase the price. And I don't think people are going to be surprised by it. Uh, it's the new cost right. of doing business would be the dialogue. And this is conversations we will have through communications, emails uh, to our guests. So they're not going to get a whammy at the door. And we're not talking about doubling our prices. We're just going to say, what have we slowed down to? What's the new cost to doing business and reformulate our business plan? And to be quite honest, most of us opened with that, that business plan in the beginning. Right, <laughs> right. Like, I did the Kevin Costner, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It's going to be okay. Um, so it's a time to look. I don't care what mm -hmm. you didn't know the last time. Now you do know. You have access. You have time to think about it and work with professionals if you have to. You know, just work it backwards. Mm -hmm. What do you got to do? And, you know, you mentioned an interview I did with Van, and Van's a remarkable salon owner. This is Van Council. He owns Van Michael. His revenues from his five, six stores, this is, this will hurt everybody on the call, $100,000 a day. His payroll alone is $300,000 a week. And for him to see a drop in his business when he reopened, he got down to 25000 So he used to do 100000 a day at twenty five. He's now increased to 60000 a day still 40 short. So there's been a reduction in his mm -hmm. business. So he feels confident it'll go back up to normal. But I'm just saying, if your cost of doing business, if the way you're doing things, especially if you're in a small store, uh, you're limited to how many people you can have in the building, there's restrictions. So I just say on some, it may be a price increase. On some, honor the menu. Uh, discounting without permission is theft. And I just want people to charge what they're supposed mm. to charge and do the right thing by upgrading because it's your job. Recommend take home because it's your job and understand that the benefits of this, the why you get is going to be very beneficial to the company being more profitable. And just like me working at Paul Mitchell, it helps that I work for a very profitable company uh, because when things get lean, like many salons are going out of business right now, they didn't have that profitability to bank on. And with a culture of 20, 25%, like the McCormick's in Houston, visible changes, they work on that number. Uh, they don't make a zero out of service dollar, but they make it off their take-home score at 20%. So if you could run service to a zero, but all your profit was coming from the enjoyment of take home, that is an incredible motivator as business owners. Anthony Whitaker, great coach. He helped me many years ago. I don't own salons, he told me. I own businesses. So let's right. make take home part of our business model and make it count and make sure your team honor it. And to the point, if they don't, just like if they're not honoring other systems, you got to let them go. This is a deal breaker here. This is not, I wish you would. Uh, this is what we got to do to 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 really make our jobs worthwhile. And I think, you know, coming back, clients are going to be so appreciative. Something Van shared with me, gratuities went through the roof. Gratuities, people were getting $250 yeah. tips. So this is a beautiful world we're re-entering in. And we all see that we are appreciated by our guests. We also see we miss them a lot. And I think in the old way that we did things, we took them for granted. We didn't take time to know their names. We weren't really listening to their stories. We were just making the donuts. And I think this is what I think is going to change the industry uh, just a tremendous way. Hey, everyone. I'm Sean Chido. 
co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership. Thank you for joining us today. And be sure to check us out at nextlevelsalonleadership.com. Mm-hmm.